The best way to learn a language? Immersion. Living where the language is spoken and using it every day. But if that's not in the cards this year, you can still learn a language the second best way. And that's with Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts and help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel's designed by real people for real conversations, and their tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching, so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. Here's a special limited-time deal for our listeners. Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription at babbel.com slash bluewire. That's 60% off at babbel.com slash bluewire, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash bluewire. Rules and restrictions apply. You're listening to Wins Above Fantasy, part of the Pitcherless Podcast Network with Van Burnett, and Steve Giswelli. Welcome back, everybody. It is Wins Above Fantasy, episode 63, July 7th. Thank you for joining us. I'm Van Burnett, joined, as always, by Steve Giswelli. We got a great show ahead where we're going to be talking about underlying stat risers from the first quarter of the season to the second quarter here to jump sports with the timeline there. Steve, uh, looks like you're on the shore, man. How's life? We are... Probably officially in the dog days of the season, but wouldn't uh, choose another person to be podcasting with, Steve. Just excited to talk about it, even though Kyle Schwarber's destroying my home league as we speak. Uh, life's okay, though, in that league. So anyway, ramble over. How's it going, man? It's good, man. Yeah, uh, we definitely are in the dog days. Um, you know, we're at like the statistical halfway point of the season, believe it or not, which is crazy and depressing and you know exciting all all at the same time um but yeah uh, i've been down the down the jersey shore for the last week it's been nice uh, i've been working from here uh, a bit enjoying some good weather had a good fourth of july hope you did too um, it was great but yeah uh, uh it you know there was there's a lot of inspiration in this article i think it's cool you know we are at the, the halfway point so like we could look at two decent sized samples in those quarters and see, okay, who's gotten better, who's gotten worse, uh, what's actual here, like, is there something that the surface numbers aren't showing yet that that could lead to some buying opportunities, something to keep an eye on. Um, you know, I'm sure if we did this for, for Schwarber after the first, whatever, four weeks of the season, you know, we, we you probably could have saw there, there was like an, a massive increase uh, leading to this uh, insane stretch. It, it's just wild. He did the exact same thing last June, right? Uh-huh. Uh, he had like 15 home runs and he got hurt, but I guess this is what's happening if he didn't get hurt. So uh, that was probably a, you know, another bit of a tangent here, but probably a bit of a, a really, really... Uh, you know, looking back at that, it's like, how did you not realize that Schwarber was going to be good after the the numbers he put up in such a small sample last year? But uh, you know, uh, he's uh, he, he's something else, I and mean, he's got twenty seven homers now. It's, it's he's coming up on Judge, which is which is crazy. Yeah, it is. It, it uh, is all kind of buzzing out that way, and the Phillies need it. So good for them. Bad for me facing him. Bad for me. Uh, <laughs> 
hoping that that Votto would repeat the <laughs> surge from last season when it's actually my opponent. But that's not what we're here to talk about. We're here to talk about a fun topic where we're basically looking at advanced stat risers or underlying metrics risers. And it's a it's a fun topic, Steve. Like you mentioned, we've got decent sample sizes to look at where now it's kind of like we can already say for some of these guys, oh, they started solid, now they're really good, or they really struggled out of the gate, now they're definitely back. But we're going to look at a nice swath of pitchers and then focus in on some hitters at the end of the show. But I think we got to start with kind of the the origin of the show topic itself from none other than Mr. Eno Saris, who we love to follow. They, yeah, they sh- shocker yeah. there. We got this idea from them. Uh, you know, we're not like, uh, we're not rates and barrels, but, you know, we might be like, uh, you know, uh, you know, uh, something and, and burners, you know, like mm. uh, the minor, the, 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 the worst stat of each, uh, you know, if they're blasts, we're the barrel rate, you know. <laughs> flares, flares and burners yeah, over here. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, topical with Fourth of July, <laughs> but no. Hey, there's been some times this year, Steve, where we put out a show on Thursday morning, and we've looked at a rundown or two from some of the industry titans out there over the weekend. We'd be like, "Hey, we talked about like yeah, seven of those nine guys two days yeah, ago." Maybe and like, they're it's like to a us. similar topic. It's like, yeah, we're talking about the right stuff yeah. here. At least we're like you know in the same uh, ballpark. Uh, no pun intended. Well, rest assured, we are definitely <laughs> taking a pivot on the the formula and putting our own spin on it. So stay tuned with us. Don't stop the podcast now and and jump over because we're talking pitchers and we are also looking at kind of a, a midway point to this stage of the season, which since we're about halfway through, we're kind of oversimplifying that as the first quarter of the season versus the second quarter. And Steve, talk a little bit about, you know, the the article from Eno that caught your attention. I think we both checked out a follow-up podcast where they kind of did a little bit more of a deep dive on a few guys. We're probably going to go, you know, wider and shallower talking about more names on this show, but just give us some background on, uh, you know, the topic itself and, and what made you think this would be valuable for us. Yeah. So, you know, put out an article, I think it was last Friday. Um, and the, the premise of it was barrel rate gainers, um, basically from April to June. Um, so, you know, just, he looked at raw barrel rate and compared the months, uh, to each other and saw who made improvements. And there was a, a pretty good list. Uh, a lot of names that, um, you know, I, I don't know the exact work and like his spreadsheet or anything the what the what went into it, but you know, we ran a similar thing. Um, we just divided the season in two into two quarters. Um, I think our exact dates were April seventh to uh, May to uh, June. Or sorry, to May twenty first, and then May twenty second to June to July fifth. So um, just divided the two quarters and you know compared stats just sort of like Eno did so I think it was a great idea it, it shed some light on guys like Julio Rodriguez Ryan Mountcastle that have had really good July uh Junes and saw an uptick in underlying numbers so uh I thought hey why not do this with you know two of our favorite stats for pitchers we could look at strikeout minus walk rate and then for hitters we can do the same thing and look at Bowery rate. just you know look at it more as the quarter basis rather than the month over month um, breakdown to see, you know, who's making improvements. Um, we talk about it a lot. Strikeout minus walk rate is 
the best in-season indicator for pitching. It, it's you know, if you had one stat, it, it's the you know, it's the deserted island stat that we we talk about. Like strikeout minus walk rate is the stat that you want to look at for pitchers uh, more than anything, at least for in-season indication of who is going to perform well and who is performing well. So um, we'll see some gainers there. That'll lead to some interesting names that, you know, might show a few surprising guys that you kind of gave up on after a, a dreadful first quarter. And then for Bauer rate, we'll see who's, who's barreling up the ball more over the last, uh, you know, 40 or so games, um, which like you said, is a decent sample. So there should be some, some actual things here to, to, to look at and, and some guys that have made some in-season improvements, which, uh, you know, sometimes we talk about how, how it's easier to sort of look back at the big picture in the off season. Like you have this sample of data and you can compare it to season over season. And we make all of our, you know, uh, sleeper picks and fall in love with guys that we like. Uh, it, it's harder to do that in season, but I think doing something like this might be able to, you know, uh, crack the, the, the code and be able to do that in season a little more and maybe make some, uh, adjustments and get uh, uh, a leg up on your league mates by by doing exercises like this. I think so. I think it's uh, almost a sequel to kind of the the assessing potential bounce backs episode that we did last week because it stands the reason that if they're you know they had a big improvement in Q two so to speak that they might be in line for you know a continued success and some of these names you know, are the usual suspects. Other ones are guys that seem like managers might be ready to give up on them, or they're some really deep ones that probably could be added from the waiver wire unless it's kind of a deep format league. So this will be a fun show, man. I'm pumped for it. And I also got to say, Steve, I don't know if you know know this about me, but I'm actually an MBA. I got a graduate degree and I got to say, my Excel skills were tapped out. And I went to Steve Giswelli on the Discord, and he pulled out some V lookup functions. <laughs> so we're on Excel this show, baby. It's gonna be uh, it's gonna be fun to just kind of browse through. But let's jump in. The- yeah, it's funny. Most of my uh, actual strong Excel work has come from you know like making roto standings and uh, conditional uh, formatting stats and 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 fancy baseball stuff and that's obviously translated over into my IRL job but I've definitely learned a lot more in Excel doing baseball stuff I guess because I'm just more interested in it it's a lot more fun to you know do research on uh, baseball guys at least for me Uh, but it's it's actually helped me a lot you know if I ever needed to like you know defend myself as to what fancy baseball has given me for the real world it's definitely a Improve my Excel skills tenfold. Yeah, if my if my nice. stats two fifty one class would have used baseball <laughs> players for like Z curves, I I probably would have oh, yeah. dropped oh, out yeah. of it and, and taken Same. up like dance or I, music one hundred and one as an elective. I would I would not have skipped any of those classes in, in, in college if that were the case. But uh, yeah, uh, definitely we, would do that going forward. We will digress and jump into the spreadsheet and out of the gate. I think we got to start with who I'm kind of bucketing is the confirmation guys, Steve, because they're worth mentioning, but for the, you know, the listener who's trying to gain some actionable insight, these might be targets or maybe they just kind of want to hear about a certain player that they have questions about. I know last show we actually started ironically with Charlie Morton 
with a listener question from Sal. And we were kind of talking about how he has emerged and he was wondering if he should still sell high. Talking back and forth through that. But we got to say on the K minus BB percent from quarter one to quarter two so far this season, nobody has risen more than Charlie Morton, who has, and it's not even close, far and away, he's gone from a 10% K minus BB. And for all this, huge disclaimer on any of these K minus BB stats, the league average is 13.1%. So just keep that in mind as the benchmark is is 13%, basically. So Morton started the first quarter of the season with a 10.10% K minus BB. Not good, below league average by significant amount. In the second quarter, he has risen, you know, over that six, seven week stretch, 17% up to 27%. So double the league average of K minus BB. That 17% rise is, is first on this list that we have. The second closest is 10%. So far and away, Charlie Morton, I think you just got to tip the cap. Uh, past month, 32 and a third innings with 47 Ks. A 2.2 ERA, a 0.77 whip in the past month. Um, his season line still looks a little mundane, but maybe that's, if anything, a reason to go target. Um, I, I brought up last show that some of the actual swing and miss or whiffs per game were a little bit lower the past two starts, so I'd have to imagine there's been more called strikes and certainly improved command, but... Uh, your thoughts on on Morton, Steve? Anything to add here? I know we talked about him last show as well. Uh, yeah, I, I, it's it was probably the most obvious buy low, right? Like, I think Morton's done this before, not to this extent, but he's had really slow Aprils. Um, you know, it was probably even more exacerbated due to the fact that there was such a short spring. He's an older guy; it probably takes him a little bit longer to to get going. Considering he's a guy that usually starts slow, but yeah, I mean, it's everything you want to see with Morton is there. Um, it's a good confirmation, like you said. Um, and it was probably the best buy low. Kudos to Sal for essentially buying low on holding him, not selling him for pennies on the dollar, which I'm sure he could have done. Um, but yeah, uh, it, it, it just looks good. Like this is this year's Luis Castillo, right? Like this was the buy that it looked horrible and you kind of had to butt blindly do it because nothing was going right. And like there was finally a good start. Then he got blown up again. So like anytime there was a, something that was encouraging, you know, it was hard to actually buy into it. But yeah, I mean, Borton is back to the Charlie Morton that, that we know, uh, the, the, the fastball usage just slowly dipped down, which is, you know, something that you want to see, uh, especially with the guy with a, a curveball like that. So he's obviously gotten the feel for that and, it's becoming the pitch that we know it to be. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it it, it all looks good um, for Charlie Morton and not really surprising to see um, that he is the biggest gainer here just because, you know, he probably was a, a good bet even without, like, digging into the hood and, and, and looking at the underlying numbers. It's like, yeah, Charlie Morton's probably going to be close to what he is on the baseball card. I know... Uh, the age is a little bit of a, a factor there, but um, you know he's he's still proving that he's Charlie Morton. So uh, yeah, and good on you for for buying. What's interesting is you know throughout that Morton process, it's almost like if Luis Castillo last year is Charlie Morton this year, then 
Trevor Rogers this year is like Kenta Maeda of last year because th- those names are talked about kind of in tandem because of the struggles. And just since we're talking about, you know, this this list and Trevor Rogers, we talked about last show, you know, he went out and had the good start against the Nationals. Trevor Rogers did. With, he got a, a win, four uh, Ks and in five innings, just one earned run. Then tonight he's on the mound as well. And I think he had a clean like first four innings, but he, I believe he just got kind of tagged up by the Angels. And on this list, uh, granted, it doesn't have that start from tonight, Wednesday night, as we record this. He is 101st on this list of first half to second half. So he's actually dropped in the first half. Trevor Rogers had an 11.7% K minus BB. So still below average. But then in the second half, that went down, almost cut in half down to 6.2%. So definitely the tail of two uh, players there with Morton and Trevor Rogers. But to keep going on some of the names that are atop the list, uh, Logan Webb, who had a little bit of a slow start, but now it just looks solid overall. He's number two on this list. Uh, his season line at this point is 97 innings, 86 strikeouts, a 313 ERA, and the whip to go with it of 113. So it's been really solid from Logan Webb. I think he was kind of a polarizing player in draft season, Steve, and it looks like he's kind of you know what you signed up for. Um, maybe not quite the the strikeouts that you're hoping for, but overall, I don't think you can complain. And the first half, he was below average with a, a 10.5% K minus BB. Second half, that's been up to, or I'm sorry, second quarter, I guess is what we should say, is up to 21.3%. So very good K minus BB in the second half for Logan Webb. Um, Tony Gonsolin, maybe we'll just uh, throw him in as well and talk about his rise, it's been pretty similar where he was just below average on kind of the first quarter of the season, even though his draft day cost was much lower. In the second half, he's right there with Logan Webb with a, a 22% K minus BB. I know both these guys are pretty universally rostered, but Gonsolin with a legitimate breakout, and I think Logan Webb with kind of a solidifier that last season wasn't some sort of fluke. He is actually kind of a, an established. SP2, we'll call it at this point. But between Webb and Gonsolin, anything uh, you'd like to add there, Steve? No, Webb, you know, is kind of like a Charlie Morton light situation. I guess you would say that for where he was going, um, it was kind of disappointing in the first quarter, right? It's like, okay, maybe Webb's more of a 3 4 than a, a 1 2, but mm-hmm. uh, over the last, whatever, you know, 45 innings or so. Um, he's definitely proving that he's more of that one to two fantasy type pitcher that we saw in the second half last year and what made people really, really like him going into the draft season. So that's encouraging. Um, the Giants pitchers kind of overall have just been underperforming, you know, between, uh, Cobb, Wood and Webb, but Webb's really the one that's, uh, gotten the results now, uh, to sort of line up with the expectations, um, you know. If you just look at the overall line, like that's exactly sort of what you drew up when 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 you drafted him and wanted him to be that sort of number two to back end uh, your your ace pick there. Um, Gonsolin, it, it's just so surprising. Like the like the command. Uh, I, I know uh, Eno Saris talks about it all the time. Like command is not as sticky year to year, and 
that's sort of been the thing that held Gonsolin down. Even when he did have that breakout year in 2020, um, in the shortened season, there was still a, a good amount of walks. Um, but this year, he's really got that in control. And, you know, uh, you can see that it, it's gotten better even in season. So that's a that's a thing. Like, if you probably look at Gonsolin, uh, you know, uh, in the first quarter and, and saw that that walk rate was down, um, that is sticky when, when you look at that like that, right? Like in season command is a lot more predictive and sticky than it would be, um, uh, you know, from year to year. So yeah. that, that, that's something that, you know, I'm surprised by, I was basically totally out on Gotsland. It's probably cause I got, I got burned by him, uh, last year. I, I was pretty in on him as like a sleeper. I know there were some injuries going into it and, um, you know, uh, things that, you know, there was reasons to like him. And I, I, you know, he was a sexy pick at the end of the draft. Like, uh, you know, like, like, like Sandoval was this year and and basically just crashed and burned. And I probably shouldn't have been fully out on him. And now I have literally zero shares this year, but uh, I, I wish I didn't because this is the stuff that you were hoping for with Gonsolin, right? Like he always had all of those, those pitches. He had the stuff just like, all right, if he can just have a little bit of command and control the walks and these last, you know, 45 innings, he has a, a 22% strikeout what minus walk rate with just a 5% walk rate. Uh, it, it is really, really good. Um, I think for, the, for Tony. Gosselin. Yeah. To, to, to build on a little bit, um, or I guess throw a little cold water on it. I think, it's probably worth just noting that of kind of the the leaders on this list, like the top 25 or so, Gonsolin stands out drastically on his BABIP. Some of his luck-based metrics from like the second quarter here, a 174 BABIP got to count on some sort of regression there, and then a 96% left on base. So I think that when you put both of those together – Yes, he's been great, and yes, the points you're bringing up, Steve, are all valid. That you know, this is a step forward in development for Gonsolin, and yeah, but it's it, probably just not going it, to be. It's more. It's more of a three 20. two. It's more of the three two three five ERA that the Sierra and XFIP are showing than the one four eight ERA. But exactly. when you were striking out twenty seven percent of the guys and only walking four and a half percent of the guys, there are going to be runs like this where the BABIP and left on base are on your side that leads to this, you know, one four ERA. Like there's no nobody's a true one five ERA except for like the Grom, right? Right. But guys have stretches like that and it usually is because your strikeout minus walks are good. That you know, it's like uh, you know, it's uh uh the the saying like, you know, make your own luck, like whatever. Like that's that's sort of what this is. Um, and why K minus BB is so good, right? Like because you're gonna have runs like this. If, you know, uh, you're not walking guys, you're not you're striking out guys, and you're getting lucky. Like you're gonna have a run of a one four eighty or a in the second quarter, like Tony Gonsolin's having. Yeah, to- totally fair. And I think just since the, I'm trying to see if there's anything that's been drastic on like the pitch mix change or anything like that since our splits, and it doesn't look. Like, there's a ton. I mean, he's been throwing, like, the splitter more as of late. But overall, I'm just curious with how drastic some of his splits are, if there was anything there. But 
Um, we'll, we'll keep moving because I think we, we got a long list, I think, for both Webb and Gosselin. Yeah. Uh, basically, we're buying it. Expect a little bit of regression from Gonsolin, but that's kind of obvious with how good he's been. Uh, the next one is quite interesting, Steve, because it's it's Taiwan Walker that's on the list here with a, a a little bit different of a look because he's fourth on the the riser list, if you will. But he went from being well below average at a five point three percent K minus BB. Again, the benchmark is 13% on league average. Second half, that's up to 15.3%. So very big uh, jump there for Walker. That said, it's still just like a little bit above league average. I've been in and out on Walker. I think I might have moved on after the injury early on in the season. But uh, Walker's 71% rostered. So it's kind of a interesting name there at the top of the list. Um just curious if you've got any shares or any like high level thoughts on Taiwan Walker for the Mets. Um, no, I don't have any shares. I wish I did. I was actually offered him in my home league. Like after he had that decent start to the season, I was like, no, this is Taiwan Walker. Like we saw what happened in the second half last year, and boy, I am kicking myself uh, for not doing that. Uh, <laughs> You know, everything looks good here. Um, you know, maybe the fact that he did have that those good amount of innings last year, um, you know, after only throwing, I think it was, what, like nine innings in the shortened season or something like that, and was hurt the year before. So there was really, like, you know, no sort of basis to build on his innings last year, and it showed because he really, really fell apart in the second half. But, you know, maybe the fact that he had those innings um, and he should be built up, uh, you know, at least theoretically. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I mean, everything looks 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 good for Walker. Um, you know, uh, the 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 ERA is is obviously, uh, you know, it's a little bit of a Tony Gonsolin situation where I'm not expecting him to have a two eight ERA the rest of the way, but I sure as hell am expecting him to have like a three five the rest of the way, which is which is really good. Um, and you know the K's have been you know pretty good. Like there's there's times with, with Walker where you know everything looks there, and and when you don't strike guys out, that could sort of lead to like exactly that that second half that he had last year. But you know he's throwing the the split finger more, which is a really really good pitch. Um, you know Nick Pollock uh, of Pitcherlist talks about that all the time, how that's a feel pitch, and it's so hard to trust because. You know, it comes and goes so quickly. But the fact that he's throwing it, uh, you know, a career high 28.7% of the time this year, that's a really, really good sign. Because, you know, a pitch like that um, is a swing and miss pitch, and you're going to get a lot more strikeouts. He's got a 29.5% whiff percentage on it and a 20.8% uh, put away percent uh, on it. That's his, you know, best pitch as far as whiffs. So when you're throwing it that much, um, that's good. There's going to be some more strikeouts than, than we would come to expect with Walker. So uh, I, I wish I bought in. Unfortunately, I didn't. There's 29% of leagues where he didn't. So go check your wire and definitely add Walker if you can. Yeah, you said it on the on the Ks because I think that's why I moved on. We're always preaching, especially early on in the season, to have that stuffist mentality and look for guys who you know could – basically have gas and and ability to go out and like mow down eight or nine batters and figure the rest out. And early on, there were two starts that he had just like one, three starts that he had one strikeout. 
And in recent starts, he had nine Ks against the Reds. He had nine Ks against the Mets. Or I'm sorry, nine Ks against the Marlins, 10 Ks against the Angels. So really, he's unlocking that with the split finger that you're talking about. And it's like, yeah, I, I wish I wouldn't have moved on when I did. But uh, really good things for Taiwan Walker. I know he's kind of been a, a sleeper. We talk about Eno Saris. I feel like his name's brought up often, but... Maybe he's kind of graduating from that kind of Stroman type of uh, profile to back to what we thought about Walker like super early in his career. So uh, an, another good one there, and that one is is fourth on the list. But kind of getting back to some of the, the confirmation guys, the, these other three, Steve, are all kind of SP1-2 range from draft season. Shane Bieber, Sandy Alcantara, and Hugh Darvish all kind of have their own stories this season. Uh, but specifically, I mean, Bieber had kind of a bumpy outing today. Uh, Alcantara with the dominant Tuesday with 10 strikeouts. And then Darvish has really looked, I mean, probably his back-to-back best strikeout starts with 19 Ks in his last two starts. Uh, not sure if there's anything we want to delve in on here for Bieber, Alcantara, or Darvish. Um who are right here in the, like the top 10 of the risers from first half where they were all kind of above average. Sandy was a little bit slower to second half K minus BB, which is all around 19, 21, 23% Bieber being 23%. So the story looks really good. I think it's just kind of, you know, I don't know if we can call these aces with, with Darvish in the mix, but definitely top end guys who are kind of rounding into form, but Anything to, to add or anything you want to kind of break down with uh, these guys who are kind of the confirmation group? Walker, real quick, I misspoke. It was 14 innings between 2018 and 2019. He did pitch decent amount of innings, 53 in the short seasons. But still, okay. that's, you know, like uh, 66 innings, 67 innings in, in those three years. So uh, heading into 2021. So that could be a, a reason why he sort of deteriorated in the second half and maybe some reason for hope uh, this year. But... To, to touch on these guys, for Bieber, I, I think it's a matter of him. He sort of is learning how to pitch with that diminished velocity, and I think it's slowly ticking back up a little bit, not to you know the 93, 94 he was when he was Cy Young, but I think in his last few starts, I didn't see where he was today, but he was hitting you know 92, which is better than the 90 that he was sitting at uh, for most of the season. So it, it was probably Bieber just making those adjustments, learning how to pitch with that slightly diminished velocity. Um Alcantara, like we saw this last year. Like I remember I wrote him up as a second half pitcher to, to keep an eye on um, with what he did in the second half last year. And he's kind of doing it again. Uh, he is just one of the, the best pitchers in the game. Um, and and it, it's kind of cool because like, he's not like the, he's not like the 14, you know, nine caper nine, right? Like he, he does it like a little bit more of an old school way, which of course, he, yeah. you know, uh, we are stuff us here. We, I, I always diminish, you know, throw out, uh, you know, guys that don't have a high K rate. And, uh, it's just 7.8, uh, K per nine this year, 22.8%, uh, strikeout rate. So, uh, it, that's still something to, to scoff at, but you really shouldn't with Alcantara, and he's deserves it at this point. He's got 123 innings already. That's that's crazy. He basically just goes like eight every single time out, and doesn't give up any runs. Uh, it, it is impressive. He is uh, a, a different breed, that is for sure. And he is, I think, sort of cementing himself as like a top 
five pitcher next year? Like, are there five guys that you would take before our Alcantara next year? Wow. Uh, I mean, let's look at the, let's look at the list here. That's what we're doing. So right now he's fifth on on Nick's list here. So Corbin Burns, Garrett Cole. Shane O'Mac, Zach Wheeler, and then Alcatara is right there in front of like Justin Verlander, Rodon, Musgrove. So, no, I mean, I think you're right. Like, yeah, like even like even like Wheeler, I might take Alcantara just because of uh, a, a little bit better of an injury history uh, and, mm-hmm. and age factor. Uh, I know Alcantara is packing on the innings. I think he was the only guy to go 200 innings last year, uh, one of like two guys. So. Uh, it, it's impressive what he's been able to do, especially without like an elite, elite strikeout rate. But nonetheless, he still is awesome. Yeah, and I mean, he's been able to rack up some wins with the Marlins as well. I think that'd be what you'd point to pretty quickly. But nine and three. Uh, yeah, when you yeah. when you go eight innings and don't give up any runs, like you should win, right? Yeah, and just yeah the. The 98-mile-per-hour fastball, the third in the league on kind of average fastball velocity, great ground ball rates. So, yeah, I mean, he's insane, dude. A 1.82 ERA on the season, and like you said, just like gobbling up innings already. So uh, the the league leader in innings. So, yeah, uh, hard to argue there. But, yeah, I think that, no, that's good. I mean, Darvish is the only one we haven't really talked about. Like, what do we make of this, man? Like, talk about polarizing. Darvish is, is one that's just been like... I, I know we were talking about him and Snell, and they've kind of gone in much different directions here um, on kind of the bounce-back years, but it's looked really good for Darvish lately. And like I said, he's coming off, uh, you know, 10Ks against the Dodgers, 9Ks against the Phillies. Uh, can we say that he's kind of putting it together i mean the the walks are in check too yeah the walks are in check overall the the strikeout rate is shocking i just pulled up his fangraphs page to see an overall strikeout rate of 22 percent um in the second quarter quote unquote uh that we've been calling it let's see what his strikeout rate is i'm uh scrolling over on our nice little sheet here it's still just 25.3 percent but that 3.7% walk rate is like by far the lowest of his career. Uh, you know, we're used to Darvish walking, you know, closer to eight, nine percent of the guys and making up for it by striking out 30%. But I think this Darvish might be, uh, you know, uh, improved. Uh, you know, he's Homer prone, but if he is walking less guys, those are going to be solo shots and those blowups might not be as bad. Um, when he when he does have them, if he's not walking as many guys as he normally does, so I think I like this version of Darvish. Yeah, there might be a, a, a few less strikeouts, maybe some more recently, but I think there's going to be less of the that absolute blow up where it's like ah, you know, that's the nature of Darvish. Like there's going to be a a, a a nine run two innings outing uh, that that comes with it randomly, but you know maybe it'll be. Uh, a four inning five run with six strikeouts that you can kind of live with a little bit more uh, in, in this newer Darvish version. Um, so I, I, I like it. I, I would be encouraged and trying to buy if anyone's sort of thrown off by uh, that overall line and lower K rate, if, if anyone is still thrown off by that. Yeah. Uh, and it's 
kind of a head scratcher too. Just like n- no real change in like pitch mix. Most of his velocity looks yeah. Velocity his velocity's up. His fastball velocity's up. Yeah, from last year. Uh, from last year, yeah, but just yeah. from this, I'm looking at like the season line charts and everything. Yeah, and everything yeah. looks pretty flat. I mean, just in terms of no drastic changes that like I can see straight away to point to. Uh, but yes, the strikeouts are definitely on the rise. So very interesting there. Well, let's move away from the confirmation guys and talk about some improving strugglers with a question mark on some frustrating pitchers and why there might be some hope and then get into some deeper guys who might be worthy of ads uh, in terms of pitchers. But first, we're going to take a real quick ad break and we will be right back. Hey, Alex Fast here, and thanks for listening to this podcast on the Pitcher List Podcast Network. If you're a fan, consider supporting all of us by getting a PL Plus subscription, where you're going to get an ad-free website and get access to our Discord, where you can talk to all of our podcast hosts and staff. Plus, you can hang out with our incredible Pitcher List community. It's basically a baseball sanctuary year-round for as low as $8 a month. You can sign up at PitcherList.com backslash plus, and you're going to get your first month free with promo code podcast also don't forget to check out everything else we do as well from youtube videos live streams newsletters off-season articles tiktoks breakdowns over 15 baseball podcasts on our network we can't stop talking about baseball even during the off-season so sign up for pl plus today at pitcherlist.com backslash plus and use promo code podcast to get your first month free all right thanks for listening let's get back to the show all right, so Steve, you're feeling good if you got some of those guys now, Morton, Webb, Gonsolin, talked about Bieber, Alcantara, Darvish. Then you got a guy who was drafted right in the mix with some of those names, and Jose Barrios. And this one is uh, not quite the happy outcome. He's been a- another one that's just been like, who is this pitcher? We thought he was such a steady Eddie. And with the Blue Jays and everything they've been doing, and kind of how he looked with them, all of a sudden yeah, last year, yeah, yeah, all of a sudden we're just seeing kind of a, a, a disaster. And and even in the second quarter of the season here, there's been some really rocky things going on with like a 2.34 home run per nine, and yet he is the number eight riser on this list of first quarter to second quarter K minus BB. So. How do you make sense of Jose Barrios? Is there a little hope out there for for managers, or do we think that maybe this stats just lumped in a uh, a cell with Barrios? Uh, I think this might be the closest that we have to the Charlie Morton buying opportunity from earlier in the year okay. uh, with, with Barrios. Um, oh, some of it, yes is okay it's name brand like look at the back of the baseball card especially with Berrios he's always been like a guy to beat his uh ERA estimators um and has never been a low three ERAs guy so you have to keep that in mind like you're hoping that he finishes the year at like a four two ERA because he's sitting at five seven two right right um so that would be a stretch of him pitching to like a three ERA or something like that uh you know, I, like I said earlier in the show, I, I I may have skipped some of those math and statistics. But don't don't hold <laughs> yeah, me. Yeah, but you're right that his don't true talent, his true yeah. talent's like a three true seven talent. guy. Yeah, exactly, exactly. True talent, three two seven with a twenty five percent strikeout rate, um, and you know 
uh, uh, some starts where you know he looks great and you know potentially an SB two three. That's what you what you're hoping for. Now he's probably being dropped in some leagues and has been. Um, today was another encouraging start. Um, he had six strikeouts, one walk, and six innings. Uh, I know it was versus the A's, but they've you know, been roughing uh, up some, some. Yeah, they have some they solid have. pitchers lately, though. Yeah. It's it's true, but you know, I, I I like what I'm seeing in that in that in that second quarter, right? Like the the, the walks are down, the strikeouts are up, um, and there's been a lot a lot of bad luck um, with, with with Barrios. Um, he has uh, still in the second half in the second quarter. Uh, he had a 2.34 homer per nine and a 66.5% left on base. Like, you know, no matter how bad you are, um, that's, that's high, right? Like it's, mm-hmm. it's, it's hard, it's hard to do, uh, to have a number that high, especially when you're not that bad, like Jose Barrios is like, right. Um, uh, his ex-fip is a lot better in this, this stretch three, eight, four. Uh, Sierra 374 so I think that that's kind of what you can expect the rest of the way Um, well and he also got absolutely demolished by the Brewers on that game that I was at where it was like two innings and eight runs or something like that so that might be inflating I know they all count but that might be inflating uh, some of the like the 659 ERA that he's had in the second quarter here when the Sierra is like a 374 right yeah yeah Definitely. Um, and, and, you know, I know that guys on the Discord have thrown around like his stack cast sliders, which I get. But for pitchers, the stack cast sliders are more descriptive, right? Like they're not many. There's not much predictive, right? Like, you know, barrel rate and, and hard hit percentage really isn't uh, predictive for pitchers as it is for hitters. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, the, he's been bad. Yes, we get it. Uh, I, I understand that Barrios has been horrible. Uh, but you know things like his chase rate and walk rate uh, are, are still pretty good, and the, now that the strikeout rate is ticking up, uh, I think it's it's a decent time uh, to buy Barrios uh, just with those underlying numbers slowly, slowly improving. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the whiffs are pretty similar on his curveball from last year. Um, you know the velocity is right where it's at. Spin rates down a little bit on the curveball, but yeah, I, I mean, I agree. It's like that's part of the nature of buying low is you have to kind of squint and and take a leap of faith. And uh, right, it's like you're, you're not buying low on Charlie Morton anymore. So uh, not sure that it's to that extent, but I think it is a, a good indicator that in in the first quarter that K minus BB was just an eight point two percent way below that 13% league average and then in uh or in Q1 and then in Q2 that's up to 16.3%. So he's been above average on K minus BB. So take that as a little light at the end of the tunnel for any Barrios managers yeah, or and, and yeah, possibly a buy To put it into context uh in in Minnesota during his good years in 2018-2019 his strikeout minus walk rate was like 17%. So he's been around where he was uh, during those years in Minnesota, uh, in, in Q2, last year was twenty point four percent. So, you know there can be a run there where it's even even better, um, like he had in that second half with uh, Toronto last year. So, 
uh, I, I'm in on it and, and would definitely be looking to buy low on Berrios, despite how bad the surface stats look. I love it. Uh, one, I, I'm not sure I do love, Steve, and I, I got a couple shares out there in some, some industry leagues, but Ian Anderson, who's kind of in this, this draft range, uh, I know he's another one that was kind of sliding down the boards, uh, but Ian Anderson has had a, a similar rise in terms of uh, kind of an 8% bump from Q1 to Q2 on K-BB, but the difference is he went from 4.5% to now in, in Q2, he's at 12%, which is still below league average. And even when it looks good for Anderson, it just doesn't seem like any of the strikeouts are there. Uh, I know on Tuesday at the win against the Cardinals, but just three strikeouts over five innings. The whip wasn't great. Is this Ian Anderson, you know, we thought he was kind of a, a defier of the the logic and of the underliers, kind of like what you were saying for, for Berrios, but... Now is, is is this just kind of him slipping into to mediocrity where he's more of like an SP five six rather than you know an SP three or again at sixty four percent rostered plenty of people are dropping Ian Anderson he's probably out there on wires what do we make of of this is this a buying opportunity or is this something where you're just probably not going to get enough swing and miss to to bring value to to a fantasy team. It's so hard to tell with Ian Anderson because when he was good, it was hard to tell why he was good, right? And, like, there was so much deception with that change Yeah, up. mystery change up, yep. And, like, the whiff numbers still look good. Uh, uh, you know, they're they're in line with where they were last year on the curveball and the change up. Uh, the fastball is slightly down. I guess that's where, like, you know, those excess whiffs are going. It's The fastball is just... It, that's the problem. It, it's getting demolished. It's allowing a 321 batting average with a 474 slug. Um, all the expected numbers are right in line with that too. So the fastball has just been absolutely horrible. Last year he allowed a 216 batting average on that. Uh, that came with a 242 BABIP uh, XBA. So there was some regression expected, but not like this. So. Kind of a Trevor yeah. Rogers uh, yeah. fastball collapse. Yeah. Um, the velocity's down on it a little bit, so you know maybe, maybe that tick uh, takes it from like you know uh, a, a average to below average fastball that overperformed to a horrible fastball that underperforms. Just sort of uh, that small of a tick down could do that because yeah, like the whiff rates are still good on the changeup and curveball. Uh, you would think that that would be enough with those three pitches being that the secondaries are good. But, you know, I, I wonder if it's a location problem. Like the fastball heat map is just dead in the middle of the zone. Mm-hmm. So may, maybe that could be an issue too. Um, yeah, getting but, less movement on it. Yeah, it, it, it's harder It's harder for me to buy, in, buy into Anderson. Although it'll probably be cheaper. I know he's basically on every wire and, and every non-NFBC league uh that that I see. Um so you know And the walks are out of control. I mean the ten ten point four percent walk rate in uh Q two here. Um so that that's... that will that will prevent me from you know, despite the fact that the K rate's up, like the fact that he's still walking ten percent of the guys in, in, in the Q two is is enough of a reason to to keep me away. Uh yeah. Less. So stay away, keep an eye on the potential walk rate. 
Steve, we were going to talk about Kyle Hendricks. This was kind of an interesting one because he was number six on the rise list as we start to get into players who are more of like the potential ad guys that are, you know, rostered in less than half of like Yahoo leagues was what we were looking at. And Hendricks just went down with a shoulder soreness and this morning was put on the 15-day IL uh, for a shoulder strain. It's kind of a bummer because he was starting to look better with, uh, a, again, a, a jump on the K minus BB from 8.5% in Q1 up to 17% in Q2. And this was definitely a trade deadline target where, you know, that's it's even on local radio of like, you know, the Cardinals should go out and get Kyle Hendricks and all this stuff. He was going to most likely land into a better team context. And now with the injury, it's just going to be interesting to see if he if he's healthy, if he does get moved by the August 2nd deadline. But um, I don't know if we want to hit on it all other than the fact that for a guy as perplexing as Hendricks usually is, uh, we had seen kind of a, a long, bad run for him. And the strikeouts still aren't terrific, but it was looking a lot better here recently. Yeah, uh, I, I would be interested in him at least as like a streamer and a Toby. Um, mm-hmm. whereas before I, I would not be at all, but with the re- de- decent run, I would have definitely run him out in good matchups where I was not comfortable doing that at all. And when he does come back, uh, it sounds like it should be back after the all-star break sort of thing. Nothing too crazy, despite how scary that injury sounds. Um, I- I'll still be interested because, you know, it, it is l- looking like not peak Kyle Hendricks, but at least usable Kyle Hendricks. Yeah, the walk uh, rate the last quarter. The walk rate dropped from eight percent in in first quarter to th- basically cut it in half, three point eight percent in the second one. So that, it's really- that's what you that's what you rostered Hendricks for, right? Exactly. Like, yep. n- you know, no walks, no not many runs, not many strikeouts, but uh, good ratios. Yep. Uh, we got a, we got kind of a bunch here, Steve, on uh, some other guys that are potential ads. You say Kikuchi was uh, number 13 riser. He did get shelled Tuesday against the Athletics. We were talking about uh, Barrios. But he had climbed up to where in, in second quarter 17% K minus BB. Aaron Ashby, he's been a roller coaster the whole year, uh, number 15 on this list. And he went from already above average in Q1 at 13.8% up to 21%. So that's getting into. You know so the the territory of K minus BB that we were seeing for uh, some of the other top end guys at the start of the show. Uh, Hunter Green is another one that's in the the roller coaster camp. Just thirty eight percent rostered. He went from fifteen point six up to twenty two percent, but has the highest home run per nine in the league. And then uh, the last one in the potential ads is kind of interesting with Jose Quintana. Uh, man, I feel like we're four or five years from viewing him as like a fantasy target. But he went from slightly below average in Q1 up to slightly above average. And then just on Tuesday, last night as we record this, uh, threw a great outing against the Yankees with seven strikeouts, just one walk over five innings. So Quintana, Hunter Green, Aaron Ashby, and Kikuchi. Uh, a lot of different kind of profiles there, but... Any anyone that jumps out, one or two that you want to dive in a little bit, um, I'm hitting the fast track on us, so we have some time to talk about hitters as well. But 
What do you think from that bunch of Kikuchi, Ashby, Green, and Quintana? Two I couldn't be more in on. Two I couldn't be more out on. Uh, <laughs> Quintana and Ashby, uh, I'm all over. Like I think Quintana is like not only just like a, a team streamer, but like he should be. It, it's like you know, uh, total Vargas rule, as Nick likes to say. Like hold on until this stops. Like he's you know locating well. He's got the you know the secondaries and sort of looks like Quintana of old. I always have a soft spot of Quintana. Like I always drafted him as like an SP two. Oh yeah. When, you know, he was with the white Sox and was just way, way undervalued. He had such a good career uh, and, and was a, a great fantasy asset for me in his, in his peak uh, from like, you know, 2013 yeah, yeah. to 2016. Uh there with the White Sox. Uh, I, I absolutely love Quintana. So I, I love seeing this. And, you know, like you said, like the numbers are, are, are backing it, backing it up. Um, you know, uh, the, the walk rate is what is most encouraging. Like last year it was a, a 5% or 11% walk rate, 12% walk rate. And now it's, you know, under league average. And, you know, uh, he's sort of, you know, this guy that just knows how to pitch. Like, um, uh, uh, I, I love it. Uh, I, I think that, you know, he's safe to throw basically at home pretty much versus anyone um, and is essentially free. So uh, I, I love the fact that Quintana is out there. I picked him up for in a league of, for like a spot start a few starts ago and like haven't looked back. Like I haven't dropped him just because he's been so good. Ashby, like, you know, I think the combination that he's been rocked a few times, got hurt. The fact that he's just 25% rostered, like, I wish I was in that 75% of leagues. And, like, the first thing I would do would be to add Aaron Ashby. Uh, So, yeah. Uh, The other two guys, like, Kikuchi, uh, uh, like, I don't know if he'll get them. But, like, I think they talk about him not even making his next start. Like, you know, I've loved Kikuchi. Like, we've talked about it. Like, there, there were signs last year that first half he had. But, you know, I, I just cannot go back in. Um, green, it's, it's, it's interesting because like the strikeout minus walk numbers are so good. These last few starts, like he hasn't really walked more than two guys. Uh, he's striking out guys. Uh, so the walks are in control, but just the homers are not, uh, he's basically giving up like pretty much two to three homers every single outing, which you just can't get by. Um, Mm -hmm. so until he's able to pair that walk rate with a decent home run rate, uh, which I think he will do soon, uh, but maybe not this year. Uh, but, you know, it's encouraging that he is able to at least control the walks. Um, and then once he's able to control the homers, uh, look out. Like, Green's going to be a, a fantasy star, but maybe not this year. But perhaps a great buying opportunity in Dynasty. Yeah, yeah, it's a good point. It's uh, really a control issue for, for Ashby when it's, when it's gone the wrong direction is – games where he's got like you know 15 percent walk rate mm-hmm. on the other hand he has three pitches that are well above league average on whiffs and the other pitch is a 96 mile per hour fastball so yeah i am just stunned that his roster ship is 25 percent. like you said it's got to be that he's coming back from injury and everyone's just napping so that's a uh a race to add him and i believe he has a pretty cushy start coming up i want to say it's the pirates uh he is yes he's pitching uh as as we're listening to this on thursday he's pitching friday so tomorrow against the pirates so great little weekend streamer there if you need the help and then yeah quintana man uh, it's 
it's fun. It's interesting. I'm with you. And uh, yeah, I mean, he's been working in a change up more and more over the past couple seasons and it's been getting a decent amount of whiffs and yeah, he's still just 33 years old. So you never know if he's just kind of finding a, a second wind here on, on how to be kind of a location pitcher. But um, Steve, I don't know. Do we want to hit on any of the guys moving the wrong way on this list from a pitcher standpoint, or do you want to jump over and kind of brush over some, some batters uh, from the, the barrel side of things? Um, maybe brush over them. We don't have to go into deep dive on anything, but I think it's, uh, you know, uh, important to hit on the downside of this too, real quickly. Yeah. Yeah. These are the guys whose, uh, name is on the wrong side of the, the K minus BB Q1 versus Q2. Very bottom of the list. Last place for, for qualified is Eric Lauer, uh, went from 28%. Uh, K minus BB all the way down to 8.6. Uh, drastic swing there. Lucas Giolito from 26 all the way down to 13%, which is league average. But Giolito is looking better the last two games. So w- another one that's kind of a head scratcher, which is right in line with Giolito. I think you and I are aligned that he's kind of a buy despite this. Mm-hmm. Um, Mackenzie Gore from 19.5% down to 8%. Tarek Skubal from 24 down to 13 so unfortunately where you know we kind of gotta you know eat crow a little bit here steve because we thought scooball was really taking the step to be like yeah i think we i think we i think we nailed that like exactly when he we ordained him that yes uh, we ordained him it's been rough for for some of these names but i guess to be expected a lot of them are younger guys uh leaks adjusting they probably have to adjust back yep and then uh, kind of a three-pack here that are still very, very uh, sought after. So maybe some, some good selling app- opportunities with Sean Manaya, Zach Gallen, Kyle Wright, where the Sheen's coming off a little bit on right there. But uh, a little surprising for Manaya and Gallen, who are typically you know kind of steady Eddie. Um, they've dropped and are near the bottom of this list as well. And then a couple guys who have really come down to earth, but they're still well above league average are Nestor Cortez and Dylan Cease, which really makes sense with the way Cease was just, you know, he's always got kind of the walk question mark, but his strikeouts were just ridiculous in that first quarter. And then Cortez, we kind of all expected this was not going to sustain, but that he still would land on his feet and be a solid pitcher. And that's kind of been the, the case there for those so uh not sure if you want to hit on any of those guys steve but again i think it's just running through the list of who is uh struggling in this split yeah good to note and kind of a bit more uh descriptive but you know uh long term i think i like most of those guys on that list regardless there's probably some uh up and downs um to expect with them yeah, before maybe we, before we ordain anyone an SVT like we, I, we did. With yeah, I think the track record gets a little bit of a pass, but maybe there's a little more cause for concern for like obviously Lauer, um, maybe like Kyle Wright, Scooball and Gore. I mean, I think there's still potential in all those arms, but to me, I would be less worried about you know Giolito, Zach Gallon, etc. Absolutely. All right, so. Steve, why don't we uh, hit the intro on the on the hitter side of this and just the the barrel list? If you want to talk about kind of the process when you were setting up the spreadsheet and uh, you know kind of the 
the high level of, uh, you know, because this is a little bit closer to Eno's analysis, but how, how do we want to tackle this yeah, kind of list of I, names? I think, you know, like I said in early in the show, uh, did like a monthly split, um, probably ran a, a search on, on Savan. I don't know his exact process, but uh, for full disclosure of what I did, I just uh, went to a, a custom leaderboard on Fangraphs, um, ran those two date ranges, um, you know, like April 5th to May 21st, and then May 22nd to June 5th um, for July just this, 5th, yep. Or July 5th, yep. I don't know why I keep saying it. I clearly don't know what month it is. Uh, Forgive me, I have a one-month-old. Fatherhood. Uh, yeah, yeah. Um, but ran the Savant tab leaderboard and just, you know, filtered on on, on Bauer rate and, and did, you know, a, a split and a VLOOKUP and, and, and differenced um, the two. There were There's obviously a few guys that, you know, some guys were qualified in the first half, some guys weren't qualified in the second half, so you have to remove some NAs and things like that there, but you still get a, a, a good sample and a good leaderboard, and it led to a, a similar list um, from Eno's article. Uh, be sure to check that out at the on the Athletic. We'll link that out. Uh, give proper credit and everything like that for uh, the inspiration. But um, yeah, it, it's an inter- interesting list. Um, some guys that you would expect. Some guys that have been some of the best hitters in the league uh, uh, on this leaderboard um, in terms of battle rate and just you know crazy improvements. Uh, it's just nice to see because, like, you know, when you look at Savant, like, okay, here, you know, I go to the barrel leading and an exit velocity leaderboard every single day. But, you know, to see it split out between these two dates, it's like, wow, okay, here's a guy that had an 8% barrel rate uh, in, in the first half. And then here's a guy who had uh, a 20% barrel rate in the second or second quarter, um, mm-hmm. right? That's Julio Rodriguez, number one on this list, which is not surprising and you know, absolutely uh, amazing what he's been able to do over the last quarter of the season. He had no barrels in April, uh, I think Eno said on his show today. And you know, in, in, in the two months, he's barreling 20% of the balls that he puts into play, which is insane. Yeah, that's uh, pretty much season-ending like leader in barrels. So I know on their podcast, they talked about challenging is Julio Rodriguez a first rounder next year and like five by five. And I think it was a a, kind of a realization for me. And it's funny that we're kind of getting into next year's draft. We've seen that much, but yeah, I think everyone's kind of agreeing that in five by five, Julio is it, you know, pretty much at the turn. So it's, it's wild, but we'll, we'll talk about some names here that are, atop the list that are kind of the studs and then other ones that are more actionable. But yeah, Julio is, is number one on the list. Like you said, uh, going from an 8% barrel rate in the first quarter up to 20% in the second quarter. Then you got Shohei Otani who, who went from, uh, you know, very good at 14% in the first quarter to 24%. So Otani doing Otani things. But then the next one on the list, Steve, is probably the first one we should spend some time yep. on which is uh, Mr. Ariel Cohen's sleeper of the year in Adam Duvall. And Duvall was at kind of an uncharacteristically low for his standards, 7.7% barrel rate in the first quarter. And then that shot up to 17.3% in the second quarter. So uh, let's maybe talk about Duvall. I mean, 
at this stage, you know, the average still isn't there, even in that second quarter, just a 208 average. But is is he kind of the new Joey Gallo in that regard? Like, where it's it's hard to kind of place the 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 hitter that he is, and like obviously he's he's kind of a a bopper that you can fit in and maybe pair with you know your Stephen Kwan type of mold. But uh, is is this Duvall just picking up where he left off last season as like the RBI leader? Uh, I think so. I think we sort of. Uh said that you know it was a draft this not that in in, in draft Duval not Joey Joey Gallo um and you know uh, that's not to say there's not his flaws like you know he basically wasn't usable for that first quarter but it's starting to come around and and guys like Duval when they get hot they hit home runs in bunches so um it, it's it's nice to see that he is starting to barrel up the ball and you know you're you're seeing that like looking at his rolling graphs on fan graphs like you know just for a 15 game rolling average there's like a a straight line up basically essentially at the the 50 game mark uh in in woba um you know the hard hit percentage it's it's the same sort of thing um there's just a, a steady climb up um there's been a bit of a dip now but you know overall uh um th- there's improvements so Duval's probably been given up and is probably on the wire in, in most leagues. And, you know, as you can see in the last 40 or so games, uh, there's still value to be had uh, because he's bounding up the ball at 18%, which is going to lead to a similar run to what he had, uh, I, I think, during the second half last year, too. Um, sure, he's not going to be like the RBI leader like he was last year, but he might be able to pop you 15 to 20 homers in that the rest of the way, which is really, really good. And just for a disclaimer, we're, I know it's a flawed stat. We're looking at barrels per um, ball in play, uh, not plate appearance. Uh, it just was the, the standard barrel rate on fan graphs. I know it has its flaws, and I know that you know it takes away plate discipline, and you know, it, it, especially for a guy like Duval who strikes out and essentially you know a, a third of his plate appearances. Um, this doesn't do do you well, but you know, for 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 an exercise like this, it's like okay, um, who's barreling up the ball uh, when when they hit it uh, more often? Uh, sometimes it, it, it it's it's easy to to discount and discredit all those stats, which I know they rightfully are, and um, they have their flaws. But for exercises like this, I think they're still uh, uh, they're still used to, to to be had from it. Yeah, for sure. Good disclaimer. And uh, yeah, Duvall's missed a few games. He's he's had a hand issue, but I think he pinch hit or, or kind of subbed in and logged some innings in the outfield yesterday. So uh, he should be getting back. So a good little power surge there. Right behind him on the list here in fourth on barrel per batted ball event risers is Jesse Winker. And this is another guy that Roster ship is dropping like crazy. He's now 59% rostered. That was 66 a week ago. And Winker has gone from a first quarter, uh, which was pretty disastrous with like a 4% barrel rate, which really we did not did not see coming. I think we were both solid on him going around pick like 100, 110 in drafts. And second quarter here, it's up to 11.7 barrel rate. So Winker, uh, although he's currently on an 0 for 11 slump, actually has been really turning around. Uh, past month has an 8-12 OPS. Past couple weeks, 
835 OPS. So uh, Winker, I think, is kind of at that buy low moment, Steve. And I know it still hasn't been too pretty from like an average standpoint. Um, but, you know, at this stage, I, th- I think it just has to go up, right? I mean, on, on the season, he still only has six homers. Got to imagine from here you can count on like 10 to 15. But uh, what are what are your thoughts on Winker? Yeah, um, he was actually in Eno's piece as well. So uh, good fact check that we're, we're, we're doing, you know, our Excel skills are okay here. And that's, you know, the, <laughs> The, the names are the same on, on, on this list and there's some crossovers. So um, I think it's a case of the fact that, you know, it's obviously a worse ballpark. Um, he went to a new team, which we've talked about a bunch, how guys press and, um, you know, uh, need to adjust and get comfortable to new environments. And that's sort of what happened with Winker. You know, noted that he's, you know, hitting the ball in the air more over the last few, few months, uh, hitting the ball harder and chasing less so sort of the things that you want to do and what typical jesse winker was i still sort of doubled down like i know a lot of people knocked winker and like projections were crazy crazy low when they they adjusted from uh ball uh from you know great american ballpark to uh whatever safeco fields now called in in seattle t-mobile park uh or whatever it is and you know there is some adjustment and the Mariners, I think, have been pretty disappointing uh, uh, as a whole. Uh, um, but it's starting to come around. And I think, you know, if you did buy, a, you know, the, the it's not like, you know, a guy that was also on this list, like, you know, Marcus Simeon, who's popped nine homers and ten steals in, you know, the two months since he was hitting, you know, 150 or whatever. Um, you know, you're, you're sort of seeing those results more with Winker. I, I think it's still only really showing, I guess, in the underlying numbers a bit. Um, maybe that has to do with the fact that he's been suspended and, and missed some time recently um, due to that brawl. But I think he just started serving it this week. But yeah, I think, the, I think, I think, the, I think the service numbers will, will, will start to come with Winker. Uh, the, the process numbers are, are improving. Like we're seeing in this, uh, you know, Bower rate that we're more used to with Winker at, at 12%. Yeah, typically good plate discipline, 12% uh, barrel rate and bat in second in a, a lineup that's not terrible. So, um, yeah, I think after the suspension, and he might get dropped by a heck of a lot more teams because sure. he's just got that suspension. Yeah, there's tag. no IL spot on, right. on some, of the, some of those. Yeah, It's yeah. kind of a disaster, but yeah, I, I think this is a... A really good buy low, and he comes back against the Nationals, so it's a great kind of get-right series right out of the gate. So, yeah, I'm all over it. I think it's a really good uh, trade opportunity as well. So some other names that probably don't need a ton of dialogue, but Bobby Witt Jr., he was covered a lot in uh, Eno's piece as well. He's he's another guy with the speed that will be kind of a mini Julio Rodriguez next year on shooting up the draft boards. Uh, Marcus Simeon that you mentioned, Paul Goldschmidt um, as well. It's hard to believe that with how successful he's been, it's been even better as of late. But um, yeah, Goldie's obviously just like absolutely uh, gunning for like MVP at this point. Behind Goldie is Nathaniel Lowe. And he's one, Steve, that again has kind of been up and down. He's in the same breath as... Eric Hosmer for us early on with kind of like 
the contact hitter and who is this new look, Nathaniel Lowe, uh, with I, I think it was actually a name change as well for, for old Nate Lowe, uh, <laughs> or at least what he goes by. But yeah, I mean, at this point, the barrels have, have jumped up from first half to second half. And now you look at a guy who's basically second quarter, I, I should say, 11.3% barrel rate. And it seems like he's kind of putting it all together. So this one is still very interesting for a guy who's just 48% rostered. And yeah, past, you know, past month and 947 OPS, should he be rostered more than he is? Absolutely. I think we talked about it last year with, um, I forget who it was, uh, when, when Lowe had like five stolen bases in April, was hitting like 300 with, uh, uh, we had a, a guest few home on. runs. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, I forget who it was, but uh, I'll, I'll go to the archive. I, I was gonna remember it. And Might be a we Trevor pretty, Huth or something. Yeah, yeah. We were we were pretty hyped up about it. Uh, it was Frank Stample. Um, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. And we were talking about Nate Lowe's hot start, and it was it was looking pretty real. And then it sort of all came back down to earth. The barrel rate went down. Um, and Lowe's always been a guy like he hits the ball super hard. Has good max EV, good average, average exit velocity, should hit for average, and was just sort of missing that launch angle and actual barrel percentage. And now it's sort of happening. Um, right. Yeah. It's like what Nomar Mazzara never did or something. Yeah, yeah. He, he's, his launch angle is up. Um, I know that, again, is also a flawed stat, but you know seems to be striking the ball better. Um, and you know, the fact that a lot of those barrels have come in this second half, I think is, is even more encouraging, right? Like you look at on Savant, you just see like an 8.3% barrel rate and you're like, okay, yeah, that's good. But that doesn't account for the fact that, you know, it's, it's basically four points better than it was in the first half or or first quarter. So, um, it's impressive, uh, what he's doing. And I think he definitely should be. Uh, rostered in more leagues, um, this, you know, especially if you if you need help, if you if you're sick and tired of riding out and waiting for Joey Votto, right? Like uh, I would I would absolutely grab Nathaniel Lowe. Yeah, couldn't agree more. And last one, less of an ad, but I think we just got to call out uh, Francisco Lindor for all the off season questioning about you know is he undervalued? Is he overvalued? The surface line numbers haven't been sensational with a, a 244 average, 745 OPS on the season. But the 13 bombs, the nine steals, you'll take that. There's been good runs in RBIs with what the Mets have been doing. But from a barrel standpoint, first quarter, just 5.5%. Second quarter, it's up to 11.3% on the barrel rate. Um, so this is really a good sign for Lindor and potentially a buy low opportunity because he hasn't really been seeing the fruits of the labor on that the past month just a 644 ops so there might be uh frustrated managers out there but the barrel rate looks good here steve that's exactly what i was going to say i think a lot of people despite the homers and steals which is sort of what you draft lindor for uh see that 242 322 416 line and are pretty frustrated by it i don't blame them um, but you know, the X stats show that he's been getting a little unlucky and I think he'll be closer to that the rest of the way at 262 with the 462 slug. Um, I think that's pretty much Lindor. 
uh, and he's going to hit you, you know, another 10 to 15 homers, steal you another five to 10 bases. And that's really valuable if you're hitting 250, 260, which is, you know, what he's done. I know he's had sort of stretches where he was at, you know, 270 and then down to 230, like things like that. Like he's been streaky. Uh, but you know he's barreling the ball more, uh, hitting the ball hard, and kind of being what Lindor sort of is, uh, just with probably a little bit of bad, uh, bad ball luck. Yeah, batting two fifty seven in the second quarter, uh, which is also yeah quite a notch up from where he's at in the first quarter. So uh, yeah, just a little tip of the cap here to uh, kind of a waff favorite in Lindor because uh I think we're both Lindor guys oh yeah absolutely absolutely I I I think he gets way too bad a rap uh for uh you know that disastrous first half last year yep all right well that kind of wraps us up uh hopefully that was enjoyable guys a lot of names to to breeze through there but talking about uh some some confirmation guys essentially the uh quote-unquote studs being studs Talked about uh, yes to Barrios as worth it as a buy low, not quite on Ian Anderson. Uh, Steve liked Aaron Ashby and Quintana as kind of a stream or race to go add in Ashby's case. And then uh, some of those names on moving the wrong direction on K-BB with uh, the ones with shorter track records, your Eric Lauer, your Kyle Wright, maybe a little bit more concerning than some of the gallons and Gilitos. And then Duvall Winker, Nathaniel Lowe, and Lindor. Just some uh, some highlights for barrel improvements there. But this was fun, Steve. Uh, you got any any big plans coming up from here? Any fatherhood stories you'd like to share before we part ways? Uh, no, I'm getting better at changing diapers, uh, you know, cleaning bottles. That that's that's my biggest takeaway. It's you're basically just essentially always, always, always cleaning a bottle. It's crazy. Your Q1 um, to Q2 diaper change yeah, rate yeah. is... My, yeah, yeah, it's improved. I've definitely, okay. definitely improved. In, Good. You know, the first two weeks of this week, like, I've got to start timing myself, you know? Like, uh, I've gotten a lot better uh, at the diaper change. Uh, my wife still gets super frustrated, like, if she looks at me like I'm taking my sweet time and she could be done with it in five seconds and I'm like, you know fumbling around trying to get all the stuff in order but yeah hey, you know I, i'm doing it and getting better that sounds uh, that, like that, the one that, night that's all you can help yeah, for that sounds like the one night that Alyssa lets me like cook in the kitchen and she's just like that's not where that pan goes and i'm like yeah you know what yeah <laughs> i'm doing this, this yeah is, let this me do is my it. process yeah. all right yeah. <laughs> let, yeah, me, yeah. let me do my process yeah exactly uh, i love it well exactly. thanks everybody for tuning in uh every thursday you guys can find us here you can find us on twitter at wins above pod I'm at Van underscore Verified, and Steve is at Stav8818. Episode 63, talking about the uh, underlying risers. Thanks for tuning in, and we will talk with you next week. Thanks for listening, guys. Later.